Chapter 27 of Mary Annerly. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mary Annerly by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. Chapter 27 The Proper Way to Argue. Alas, how seldom is anything done in proper time and season! Either too fast or too slow is the clock of all human dealings, and what is the law of them when the sun, the regulator of works and ways, has to be allowed for very often on his own meridian? With the best intention every man sets forth to do his duty and to talk of it, and he makes quite sure that he has done it, and to his privy circle boasts, or lets them do it better for him, but before his lips are dry his ears apprise him that he was a stroke too late. So it happened with Master Mordox, who of all born men was foremost, with his wiry fingers spread to pass them through the scattery forelock of that meddlesome horse, Old Time. The old horse galloped by him unawares and left him standing still, to hearken the swish of the tail and the clatter of the hoofs and the spirited nostrils neighing for a race on the wide breezy down at the end of the lane. But Geoffrey Mordox was not to blame. His instructions were to move slowly until he was sure of something worth moving for. And of this he had no surety yet, and was only too likely to lose it altogether by any headlong action. Therefore, instead of making any instant rush or belting on his pistols and hiring the sagacious quadruple that understood his character, content he was to advance deliberately upon one foot and three artificial legs. Meanwhile, at Annerley Farm, the usual fatness of full garners, the bright comfort of the evening hearth, the glow of peace, which labor kindles in the mind that has earned its rest, and the pleasant laziness of heart which comes where family love lies careless, confident, and unassailed, the pleasure also of pitying the people who never can get in their wheat, and the hot benevolence of boiling down the bones for the man who has tumbled off his own rick, all these blisses, large and little, were not in their usual prime. The master of the house was stern and silent, heavy and careless of his customary victuals neglectful also of his customary jokes he disliked the worst side of a bargain as much as in his most happy moments and the meditation which is generally supposed to be going on where speech is scarce was not of such loftiness as to overlook the time a man stopped round the corner as a horse settles down to strong work collar better when the gloss of the stable takes the ruffle of the air so this man worked at his business all the harder with the brightness of his own home joys fading but it went very hard with him more than once when he made a good stroke of salesmanship to have to put the money in the bottom of his pocket without even rubbing a bright half-crown and saying to himself i have almost a mind to give this to mary now if this settled the steadfast man with three-quarters of his life gone over him in less and less time every year for considering soft subjects, in spite of all that was put out of his way by not being looked at as usual, though for that matter perhaps himself failed to look in search of those looks as usual, what on the other hand was likely to remain of mirth and light-heartedness in a weaker quarter? 
mary who used to be as happy as a bird where worms abound and cats are scarce was now in a grievous plight of mind restless lonely troubled in her heart and doubtful of her conscience her mother had certainly shown kind feeling and even a readiness to take her part which surprised the maiden after all her words and once or twice they had had a cry together clearing and strengthening their intellects desirably for the more mistress annerly began to think about it the more she was almost sure that something could be said on both sides she never had altogether approved of the farmer's volunteering which took him away to drill at places where ladies came to look at him and where he slept out of his own bed and got things to eat that she had never heard of and he never was the better afterward if that was a thing which set his mind against free trade so bitterly it went far to show that free trade was good and it made all the difference of a blanket and more than that as she had always said from the very first and had even told the same thing to captain carraway in spite of his position that nobody knew what robin leith might not turn out in the end to be he had spoken most highly of her as mary had not feared to mention and she felt obliged to him for doing so though of course he could not do otherwise still there were people who would not have done that and it proved that he was a very promising young man mary was pleased with this conclusion and glad to have some one who did not condemn her hopeful moreover that her mother's influence might have some effect by and by but for the present it seemed to do more harm than good because the farmer having quite as much jealousy as justice took it in the silent dungeon that the mother of his daughter who regularly used to be hard upon her for next to nothing should now turn round and take her part from downright womanism in the teeth of all reason and of her own husband brave as he was he did not put it to his wife in so strong a way as that but he argued it so to himself and would let it fly forth without thinking twice about it if they went on in that style much longer quite as if he were nobody and they could do better without him little he knew in his hurt state of mind for which he should really have been too old how the heart of his child was slow and chill stupid with the strangeness he had made waiting for him to take the lead or open some door for entrance and watching for the humours of the elder body as the young of the past generations did and sometimes faithful as she was to be plighted with truth and tenderness one coaxing word would have brought her home to the arms that used to carry her but while things were waiting to be done till they were thought of the time for doing them went by and to think of them was memory master popwell had told captain annerly continually what his opinions were fairly giving him to know on each occasion that they were to be taken for what they were worth that it did not follow from his own success in life that he might not be mistaken now and that he did not care a darn except for christian feeling whether any fool hearkened to him twice or not he said that he never had been far out in any opinion that he had formed in all his life but none the more for that would he venture to foretell a thing with cross purposes about it a man of sagacity and dealings with the world might happen to be right ninety-nine times in a hundred and yet he might be wrong the other time therefore he would not give any opinion except that everybody would be sorry by and by when things were too late for mending to this the farmer listened with an air of wisdom 
not put forward too severely because Brother Popowell had got a lot of money and must behave handsomely when in a better world. The simplest way of treating him was just to let him talk, for it pleased him and could do no harm, and then to recover self-content by saying what a fool he was when out of hearing. The tanner partly suspected this and put his nature upon edge, for he always drove his opinions in as if they were so many tenpenny nails, when the other man must either clinch or strike back into his teeth outright. He would rather have that than flabby silence, as if he were nailing into dry rot. "'I tell you what it is,' he said the third time he came over, which was well within a week, for nothing breeds impatience faster than retirement from work. "'You are so thick-headed in your farmhouse ways.' "'Sometimes I am worn out with you. "'I do not expect to be thought of any higher "'because I have left off working for myself, "'and Deborah is satisfied to be called Debbie "'and walks no prouder than if she had got to clean her own steps daily. "'You cannot enter into what people think of me, "'counting Parson Balo, "'and therefore it is no good saying anything about it. "'But Stephen... You may rely upon it that you will be sorry afterward. That poor girl, the prettiest girl in Yorkshire, and the kindest and the best is going off her victuals and consuming of her substance, because you will not even look at her. If you don't want the child, let me have her. To us she is welcome as the flowers in May. If Mary wishes it, she can go with you. The farmer answered sternly, and, hating many words, he betook himself to work, resolving to keep at it until the tanner should be gone. But when he came home after dusk, his steadfast heart was beating faster than his stubborn mind approved. Mary might have taken him at his word and flown for refuge from displeasure, cold voice, and dull comfort, to the warmth and hearty cheer and love of the folk who only cared to please her, spoil her, and utterly ruin her folk who had no sense of fatherly duty or right conscience, but having piled up dirty money, thought it covered everything. Such people might think it fair to come between a father and his child, and truckle to her by backing her up in whims that were against her good, and making light of right and wrong, as if they turned on money. But Mary, such a prudent lass, although she was a fool just now, must see through all such shallow tricks, such rigmarole about Parson Balo, who must be an idiot himself to think so much of Simon Popowell, for Easter offerings, no doubt. But there, if Mary had the heart to go away, what use to stand maundering about it? Stephen Annerly would be dashed if he cared which way it was. Meaning all this, Stephen Annerly, however, carried it out in a style at variance with such reckless vigor. Instead of marching boldly in at his own door and throwing himself upon a bench and waiting to be waited upon, he left the narrow gravel walk which led from the horse gate to the front door and craftily fetched a compass through the pleasure beds and little shrubs upon the sward and in the dusk so that none may see or hear him. Then, priding himself upon his stealth as a man with whom it is rare may do, Yet knowing all the time that he was more than half ashamed of it, he began to peep in at his own windows, as if he were planning how to rob his own house. This thought struck him, but instead of smiling he sighed very sadly, 
for his object was to learn whether house and home had been robbed of that which he loved so fondly there was no mary in the kitchen seeing to his supper the fire was bright and the pot was there but only shadows round it no mary in the little parlor only willie half asleep with a stupid book upon his lap and a wretched candle guttering then as a last hope he peered into the dairy where she often went at fall of night to see things safe and sang to keep the ghosts away she would not be singing now of course because he was so cross with her but if she were there it would be better than the merriest song for him but no the place was dark and cold tub and pan and wooden skimmer and the pails hung up to drain all were left to themselves and the depth of want of life was over them she hadn't been there for an hour thought he a reek of milk and not my lassie very few human beings have such fragrance of goodwill as milk the farmer knew that he had gone too far in speaking coarsely of the cow whose children must forego their food for the benefit of ours and then became veal to please us my little maid is gone said the lord of many cows who had robbed some thousand of their dear calves i trow i must make up my mind to see my little maid no more without compunction for any mortal cow though one was bellowing sadly in the distance that had lost her calf that day and without even dreaming of a grievance there master annerly sat down to think upon a little bench hard by his thoughts were not very deep or subtle yet to him they were difficult because they were so new and sad he had always hoped to go through life in the happiest way there is of it with simply doing common work and heeding daily business and letting other people think the higher class of thought for him to live as nature cultivated quite enough for her own content enjoys the round of months and years and changes of the earth and sky and gentle slope of time subsiding to softer shadows and milder tones and most of all to see his children dutiful good and loving able and ready to take his place when he should be carried from farm to church to work the land he loved so well and to walk in his ways and praise him but now he thought like job in his sorrow all these things are against me the air was laden with a sense of autumn rich and ripe and soothing the sweet fulfillment of the year the mellow odor of stacked wheat the stronger perfume of clover the brisk smell of apples newly gathered the distant hint of onions roped and the luscious waft of honey spread and hung upon the evening breeze what is the good of all this he muttered when my little lassie is gone away as if she had no father father i am not gone away oh father i never will go away if you will love me as you did here mary stopped for the short breath of a sob was threatening to catch her words and her nature was too like her father's to let him triumph over her the sense of wrong was in her heart as firm and deep as in his own and her love of justice quite as strong only they differed as to what it was therefore mary would not sob until she was invited she stood in the arch of trimmed yew-tree almost within reach of his arms and though it was dark he knew her face as if the sun was on it dearie sit down here he said there used to be room for you and me without two chairs when you was my child father i am still your child 
she answered softly, sitting by him. Were you looking for me just now? Say it was me you were looking for. There is such a lot of rogues to look out for. They skulk about so, and they fire the sacks. Now, father, you never could tell a fib, she answered, sidling closer up and preparing for his repentance. I say that I was looking for a rogue. If the cap fits. Here he smiled a little, as much as to say, I had you there. And then, without meaning it, from simple force of habit, he did a thing equal to utter surrender. He stroked his chin as he always used to do when going to kiss Mary, that the bristles might lie down for her. The cap doesn't fit. Nothing fits but you. You, 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 my own dear father. She cried, and she kissed him again and again, and put her arms round to protect him. "'And nobody fits you but your own Mary. "'I knew you were sorry. "'You needn't say it. "'You are too stubborn, and I will let you off. "'Now don't say a word, father. "'I can do without it. "'I don't want to humble you, but only to make you good. "'And you are the very best of all people, when you please. "'And you never must be cross again with your darling Mary. "'Promise me immediately, or you shall have no supper.' "'Well,' said the farmer, I used to think that I was gifted with the gift of argument. Not like a woman, perhaps, but still pretty well for a man as can't spare time for speechifying and hath to earn bread for self and young'uns. Father, it is that arguing spirit that has done you so much harm. You must take things as heaven sends them and not go arguing about them. For instance, heaven has sent you me. So am I. Master Annerly replied, but without a voice from the belly of a fish, I wouldn't believe that he sent Robin Leith. End of chapter 27 Recording by Keith Salas